Welcome to the FinTech One-on-One Podcast, episode number 370. This is your host, Peter Renton, chairman and co-founder of FinTech Nexus. This episode was recorded on our podcast stage at FinTech Nexus USA at the Javits Center on May 25th. It features Rob Frowine and Catherine Petralia of Keep Financial. Now, if you've been following FinTech for any length of time, you those names are very recognizable. They were the founders of Cabbage. They sold to Cabbage in 2020 and have both recently left. Rob left in December of 2021 and Catherine just recently left, but they have been working on a new company, which is all around compensation, revolutionizing compensation. They've got an interesting idea. It's something that hasn't been done before and they've already raised a decent amount of money and we talk about what they're doing in some depth, why it's needed and what's wrong with employee compensation today. It was a fascinating episode. Hope you enjoy the show. Right, here we are at FinTech Nexus USA and joined by the delightful Catherine Petralia and the delightful Rob Frowine. I don't get a different <laughs> Yeah, but I, we should get our own adjectives. Yeah, what should your adjective? The, uh, the intelligent Rob Frowine? <laughs> Not often no. said. What would be your adjective, Catherine? Yeah, you, you, you know him best. Annoying. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, we are here to talk about the new company. We're not talking about cabbage today. As anyone who's been following FinTech for any length of time would uh, know that Rob and Catherine were the founders of Cabbage, sold to American Express in 2020. Rob has uh, left the company several months ago and Catherine, since it's uh, May 25th, I believe you have six days left before you uh, move on. Is, is this being recorded? So this, this the nodding recorded. of your head is not going to be yes, picked sorry. up. Yes, <laughs> sorry. Yes, that is when I'm leaving. Yes, this is an audio T-minus podcast. T-minus six days. Yes. All right. So let's get started by, maybe I'll start with you, Rob. You left Cabbage in 2021. I'm not sure what month it was. but we'll tell December. Us. December. Okay. So it's been almost six months. Uh, December 17th. <laughs> That gave us a Christmas present. Okay, so um, what have you been doing for the last five months? I've tried my hand at gardening, although I, I worked on that even before uh, I left, but pretty immediately came up with the idea for this new company, really started you know, putting together what a pitch deck for it might look like. And back then, what I do when I have some ideas is I sort of think about how to present those ideas. I think about you know, how those ideas would actually generate revenue and hopefully profit. And so I spent the next several weeks doing that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Catherine, I mean, you're, you're obviously, you're still gainfully employed right now. Didn't you want to take some time off as well? You're going straight into a, a new venture with Rob? Weren't you sick of him after, what, 12 years of cabbage? <laughs> you know, it's sort of like that phantom pain that you hear about not working with them. No, was, I don't want to sit around. I'm a terrible gardener. My <laughs> husband would not like to have me just petering around the house. So let's get busy. Okay. So let's talk about the idea for Keep Financial. You know, you said you thought about it. You started working on it right away. Did you have the idea while you were still at Cabbage? No, I, not while I was still at Cabbage, but I was thinking about I'll try to make a long story short. Catherine is, gonna, is about to put me on a stopwatch here. But I was thinking about, I used to practice law. Right. Did you know that? I did. I, okay. I used yeah. to practice law. And 
20 plus years ago, I represented a doctor who graduated Harvard Medical School and took a job in this very small rural town in southern Georgia. And so he had offers all over the country, but yet he decided to move to a town that he had never really been to and had no connection with. And so you might ask, why would he do that? And it was because the local health system had given him a $400,000 forgivable loan. Basically, here's $400,000. Stay with us for four years and we'll forgive it. You know, I was thinking about the world of recruiting and retention, how difficult it is. And I thought, you know, if you were going to take this concept, not 400000 but how do you make it a current day platform that any employer in any place would be able to implement it? And of course, fintech, I'm doing a talk here tomorrow, fintech came to mind as a way to actually implement, way to actually create a situation where you give cash today to an employee and create an obligation for them to stick around for whatever period of time you decide. Right, right. So this is a pretty different business to Cabbage completely. And I'm curious then, obviously there's retention. You obviously had hundreds of employees at Cabbage. You retained many of them. I know that many of them were there for many years. But is this something that was an issue at Cabbage? Because obviously there's the, you had the stock options and there's different types of retention programs that are already in place. What's wrong with that? I would say working with managing, retaining, attracting talent was the thing we spent most of our time on. Right. I mean, it's, it was really pretty remarkable when you look back on it, how much of all of our management team's time was spent doing that. So we were always trying to figure out different ways to do it. And I, I think people, Rob told the story earlier, I think it's great. We had a really great culture. Our people loved working there. They had great friendships. But people would leave anyway, even though they loved it. And they would leave for money. Right, right. Okay, so then tell us a little bit about how it's going to work. What's the concept? How are you going to put it into practice? When thinking about how to structure this, we realized, look, we want to give employees access to cash now. We want them to be obligated to stick around at the company or if they leave early to be able to have an obligation to pay it back. We want to have a, a pretty flexible architecture for any vesting term and any employer to be able to implement it. We also wanted to have the right tax outcome, too, because when you're paid a signing bonus up front from a company or you receive any kind of bonus, that is taxed immediately upon receipt. So we wanted to structure this in a way that the employee would not incur taxes until those amounts were effectively forgiven. And that's what we did. So what happens is an employer signs up on the system. They want to issue you, Peter, a keep bonus. They basically say, we're going to give you $100,000. They talk with you about this. Said after two years, 50%, and they're making this up. They can do whatever they want. They can decide the amount of money. They can decide exactly what they want their vesting schedule. So in this example, I'm using $100,000 in two years, 50% of it will vest, and then the rest vests over quarterly thereafter for the next eight quarters. You could set up that plan. You receive the money today, and what's really important from our perspective is we'll have a lot of employees who are gaining access to more cash earlier in their career. What that does is really drive wealth creation. Salary doesn't really often drive wealth creation, but receiving larger portions of money at irregular time intervals is what drives wealth. So they'll have an opportunity to invest that, to maybe pay down a mortgage or put a down payment on a house, to be able to pay down student debt, to be able to start contributing to a 401k plan or a 529 plan whatever they want. And so we're going to have a lot of these employees coming in 
And then the next vision for this company is to also be able to provide those other financial services to the large pool of employees coming in. Right, right. So then I'm curious about, can't people just do this themselves? Well, you know, it's interesting. There are many types of bonuses right now that have a retention element. There's a sign-on bonus. There's tuition reimbursement. There's relocation, employee referral, a lot of bonuses that have this time-based component. But most companies don't have a system that does that. Somebody gets a sign-on bonus and they leave eight months later. Like some person usually has to say, oh, yeah, I got to get that money back from them. Let me tell them that they need to give it back to me. You know, it's not a very, I think, well-refined system in most companies. They give the bonuses out, but it's hard for them to track them and manage them. And the whole idea of it vesting and for the employee to have access to a tool that shows them what is vested and, you know, what has been repaid on their behalf, I think that's a really valuable tool for the employee to remember as well as for the employer. Can I do a value add? Do you mind, Catherine? You wouldn't be rubbed for a wine if you didn't do that. (laughs) So... If you really want to institutionalize this inside of a company, you're going to be managing vesting schedules for a tremendous number of employees. You're going to have to deal with the proper compliance regulation and documentation in every state. You're going to have to deal with onboarding and offboarding friction. What happens when there's an unvested amount, how to collect it, as Catherine was saying. All of those things are very difficult. And so I, I go back to the example from 20 years ago, which still hasn't been done. Two large law firms hired. Eight weeks later, we had a document negotiated and we did the deal. And it was one vesting plan and they used the same concept for three different people. Right. So there's just no ability to vary it. Plus, you have to take the cash all up front. You have to take it all right away is the way that worked. This situation, we can give you know, optionality to the employee to draw down you know, when they might want to draw down use it how they might want to use it, put it onto card, whatever else. So what you're providing then, you're providing infrastructure. It sounds like it's not just software, you know, there's compliance pieces to it. I mean, you're creating the entire backbone. Well, think about it from this perspective. I think probably 10 years ago, everybody thought, oh, I keep my cap table on an Excel spreadsheet, right? right? And what is this company, Carta? Can I do that myself? But when you get into Carta and you realize the flexibility of Carta and all of the little pieces of it and the benefits of it, then you realize it's a much more complex thing and it takes a huge headache off your shoulders. Compensation is broken and, you know, we believe we can help to fix it. Then let's talk about that. Like, how is compensation broken? I think a lot of the challenge is around variable compensation. So whether it's equity, options, RSUs, the type of compensation that a lot of employees get and they want, but they don't understand it. And most of them don't actually have the ability to influence the outcome. The stock goes up, the stock goes down. Think about all the people who work for all the major tech companies. And most of them are now underwater if they were hired after 2018, just in the last few months. And that's really demoralizing. And it actually makes you you know, care less about the company and less about the work because a lot of what you thought was going to be your future wealth is now evaporated. So could you see a a time where fintech company or just any kind of fast-growing company goes away from stock options and goes to more of a cash-based compensation type reward? I think it depends on the stage of the business. I think, you know, super early stage, like startup, there's always going to be an equity component there. But as the business grows, as you hire different types of people, options just make less sense for, you know, certain employees after a company is a certain stage, which I think, yes, I think you can see cash come in and replace a lot of that. 
Right. Let's talk about capital because obviously that's kind of your area of expertise. I mean, there's obviously going to be some companies that probably could afford to fund this themselves. I mean, not for depends on how big a program they have. But are you are you lining up, you know, funding lines with a bunch of different companies to fund all this? Yeah. So the model is basically it's one of really three things: either employer funded, employer guaranteed. So we provide the capital with a guarantee from the employer. Or we help them arrange direct borrowing from a third party. So we're spending a lot of time with folks who would like to fund those businesses directly. You're right. It depends on the size of the program. Depends on their balance sheet. What that capital is earmarked for. All of those things. Right. Got it. Okay. And no one's done this before, right? You're basically inventing a new product. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is, I know, sounds ridiculous, but. It does appear that way, right? Interesting. So, I imagine one of the challenges is going to be, like for instance, like our company FinTech Nexus. We use a company called Trinet to manage all of our payroll, our benefits, the whole nine yards. If we were going to do something like this, we'd have to integrate with them. I imagine, or is this outside of that, or how are you kind of planning to integrate? I mean, you can basically say to Trinet, like we'd like to start implementing these programs. You can probably do it separate and apart from. That or you can ask Trinet to implement it. So we are talking to some PEO players, some right. staffing companies right now. I mean, it's really a gigantic market in terms of the the range of companies we can work with. But for the most part, we don't need to implement. So if an employer is doing this directly, it's a totally cloud-based system. Doesn't touch IT. We were warned to stay away from IT, so we have. They can implement it. We can report out to any of the systems, so you can look at. You know, total rewards inside of a company, so we can report out to it. But over time, we'll do more integration, mostly so that we can help the analysis side of this, because there's a big data science piece. Right, this. I can imagine that, and that's really you guys' strong suit. Before we get into that, I want to talk about the business model. So, how are you guys going to make money? Let's assume it's an employer that is funding it themselves. We charge them a percentage of their total bonus amount. Right, so if they're doing a million dollars in keep bonuses to their employees, we'll charge a small percentage of that, just to have the people on the system, to have them there for four years or three years or however long, and to manage collection and servicing should they leave. Right. You know, this isn't just for high-paying tech jobs, right? I mean, is it any company or who's the target market? It's honestly any company in any role. People tend to think that it's for the highly compensated employees, but honestly, there's so much attrition that happens with folks who are hourly, who are entry level roles. You know, high velocity, high throughput jobs, and it's really expensive for the companies to have to retrain those individuals. And frankly, it erodes those employees' wealth when they change jobs over and over again. They're not typically doing it to get a much A higher salary, and they'd probably be really thankful for like a ten thousand dollar forgivable loan, right? That's like a ten thousand dollar bonus for them because that's a lot of these people living paycheck to paycheck. That would be pretty appealing, I imagine. And it costs a lot more than that to train somebody new and get them in and make them successful. Right, right, interesting. So, do you think is this sort of the the future of compensation? I imagine you're pretty bullish since you've just started the company, but I can see how. There is a real opportunity that, as you say, it, it makes business sense. If you're trying to re- increase retention, you've got lots of turnover. Yeah, I can see the twinkle in your eyes because <laughs> you know it's funny as we start talking about it, people realize just how enormous the opportunity is. Right. There was 8.9 trillion in compensation paid in 2020. 
only 2.3% of that was designated as bonuses. You know, this is a, in our minds, this is kind of like the Uber moment where they go, this is not about look at the market size of taxis. It's let's look at transportation. Right. And how something like Uber or Lyft could change transportation. We believe that 10, 15% of all compensation paid should have infused within it retention. And then what we'll release in a few months is also how to embed performance aspects into it as well to accelerate vesting. So, so the idea is you could start driving more of your employee base towards sticking around longer for good reason because the company has given you access to cash that allows you to accomplish something, but also potentially get to your next key bonus more quickly based on hitting performance targets. Right, right. And I imagine like that 2.3% you mentioned, I mean, here we are in New York City where there's probably a, a huge chunk of that 2.3% probably went to highly compensated people who got massive bonuses at Christmas time or whatever. So you take that away and it's probably a much smaller percentage. And I can see that I'm just thinking about from our perspective as a company, it's, yeah, I mean... I we'll, could... we'll send you the contract after, <laughs> after the podcast, Peter. Okay. Just to give an example of what that could look like, and Rob talked about this, but let's say somebody makes $150,000 a year and they say, you know what, I, I choose to take $50,000 now and I'll take a hundred over the course of the year. The other opportunity I think is with actual year-end bonuses at big companies, not that I've been around one for the last 18 months or anything, the day <laughs> after bonuses are paid, everybody wait, holds their breath. And right. they just wait for the resignations to come piling in. So change the paradigm there. Change the conversation so that the bonus happens and then people are signing up for more. So they're saying, hey, I'm going to stick around for the next 12 months. You know, move the bonuses. Move them into the cycle so that you're not dealing with that all on, you know, February 16th. Right. It makes perfect sense. I think I'm getting sold here on the whole idea of it because, I mean, retention is something that is so important. You know, it's hard. It's hard to retain good people. You know, I love that whole idea. You take a $50,000 bonus and then have a $100,000 salary instead of a $150,000 salary. That sounds really good. So, so then what about the tax implications? If you're sort of getting a forgivable loan, is that compensation in that year? If companies hand out their own signing bonuses or hand out you know, bonus compensation, it's taxed at the time delivered. But the way that we've structured this as a loan from keep to the employee with the employer being able to effectively pay down the loan over time, it has no effect really on the balance sheet. If they provide the cash, cash becomes an account receivable, right? Because they're owed the money until they're not owed the money. And the income statement doesn't take a hit at all which is really important because what you don't want to do is start issuing a bunch of key bonuses and all of a sudden your income statement looks wonky right. you know, in the year you deliver them. So yeah, I that was that. an important part of how we structured it as well. Right. And then the thorny piece here, and I know you've thought about this, is, is when they do leave, what happens? So what happens is they're put on a repayment plan. They have some period of time to pay it back before it becomes a one or three year installment loan that they pay back over that period of time. And a lot of this is determined by the employer themselves, like what the terms are and how it works and how they view repayment of that particular bonus. But it becomes something that they begin to repay. Right. I, the only thing I'd add to that is most employees leave not because they're fired, but they voluntarily leave. Right. Right. So if they go to a new employer it is quite likely they're going to say to the new employers, give me what I had over there, yeah. <laughs> which is a great form of business development for us. Right. And also, if an employee is 
involuntarily separates from a company, there's usually a severance and release agreement that's put into place, and there can be some forgiveness on the outstanding debt, maybe not all of it, but maybe some of it, in exchange for their agreement to you know, release the employer from any liability going forwards. Right, right. And I can see you know, where you've got people who have left maybe they could negotiate part of their new package is, hey, pay off my keep loan as part of the That's new right. You probably get another one. <laughs> right, right. Okay. So then what are you going to do, Catherine? What's your role at this company? I think it's going to be a lot like it was at Cabbage when okay. we just got started. It's you divide and conquer. There's a lot to do and there are few people. So it's kind of fun to get back to, you know, reading copy on websites and talking to customers and, you know, figuring out how money flows, things like that. You know, Catherine, you know, at Cabbage, she handled product, technology, data, people, policy. That was like, enough. That was enough. <laughs> I don't actually know what I did. So I'm <laughs> counting the days until Catherine joins. And so is the team, I'm sure. Right. So how big is the team? We have a total of about 12 people full-time working on it. Okay. We have six full-time developers that are not U.S.-based right now, but I've been working with them on, and Catherine and I have been working with them on various projects for the last several years. So they're part of the team as well. But we're growing slowly. Got to start somewhere, yep. So then what about the data science piece? Like, you know, this is a whole area of rich data with, you know, payroll data has got all kinds of different components to it. So how are you thinking about the data science piece? I'll start. I think some of the ways you use that is to demonstrate to employers how they can impact attrition, how they can attract talent, you know, what the actual financial outcomes are as a result of that activity. I think there's another really exciting opportunity to show sort of a DNI impact. So you can see right. what happens, what are the actual outcomes for people who get these bonuses? What how do they build wealth? How do they improve their financial situation? What changes in their lives? These are all things that can be measured. And I think it would be really interesting to do that. And as Rob mentioned earlier, as you expand the product set to other financial services that they may want to have with us because we're already in the flow of funds for them, then I think you get even more data that you can use to accelerate that analysis. So can you tell us a little bit about how you envision the full product suite developing? So obviously we have this core product, right, right. which is retention-based, will infuse performance and also sort of unit-driven vesting. So when I talk about that, think about that as, you know, in healthcare, it might be nurses shifts, right, where you agree to, you know, do a certain number of shifts in exchange for receiving a bonus up front for doing it. And by the way, if you work evenings and weekends, maybe you get credit for two shifts. That would be a performance model. We'll also work with other independent contracting firms. So think of the DoorDashes, Ubers, Lyfts, and others of the world. They pay a lot of incentives. One of the really interesting use cases, though, I want to bring up the one that we were talking about earlier, that one of the, one of the new customers, they work in a trade where people need to spend probably about four or $5,000 to buy the tools up front to be part of the trade. And so what they want to do is issue keep bonuses to them for four or $5,000 so they can buy the tools and require them to be with the company for at least a year. Payback, what an like, amazing use case that is, right? right? Somebody being able to get into a trade. So, and then beyond that, look, we're getting a huge number of employees who are getting a large amount of money earlier in their career they need investing products, card products, banking products. So 
we think the brand will expand and we'll be able to provide other services to those employees. Okay, interesting. So then you're thinking of this as a purely business-to-business type play? Versus B2C? B2C, yeah. A lot of people bring up the daily wage stuff, which is obviously has both a B2B and a B2C. Right. Let me put it this way. Catherine and I spent a lot of time working in a credit business where it was a high cost of acquisition, right? We spent a lot of money to acquire a small business customer. We generated a lot of revenue, no doubt about it. We took a lot of risk. This is an enterprise sale with a credit-like return with really no credit risk. Right. So we think of that as the ideal for the company going forward, and we're going to stick in that arena right now. Right. So how far along are you guys? Do you have anything uh, ready to go, or are you still in product development? We did our launch last week, and we're starting to sign up customers right now. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah. I saw the uh, press last week. We talked about it on our news show, and... And obviously, you, you announced the seed round with Andreessen Horowitz. So firstly, do you have people signed up yet? Is there any alpha customers or beta customers that you've we, got We didn't board? bring any alpha or beta customers prior to launch, but we've got customers that are signing up right now. Right now. So okay. we're about to start issuing our first right. bonuses, yeah. How was the fundraising process for you guys? I mean, obviously, you've got a track record that be a bit different. It was just, you know, people with starting their first company, but was it a pretty easy fundraising process? I started talking to VCs in January. I met with Andreessen on January 10th. They gave us terms on January 14th. Just like cabbage. It was yeah. just that easy every time. No, the one funny, <laughs> one funny part I'll share with everybody is though when he was a great guy, the guy who invested in the company called, he said he did some background checking and he thinks uh, we have one more in us. Which uh, I was kind of like, fuck you. (laughs) But maybe he's right. I don't know. (laughs) One or more. (laughs) One or more. Right. Right. Okay. So as we kind of wrap here, I'd love to kind of get your vision for not just the company, but maybe the, we've touched on a little bit, but love to hear from each of you about, you know, the vision for the company and then the vision for the new product category that you've invented. You know, so we say keeping employers and employees together longer and happier. You know, we're very, very focused. You know, there's lots of really interesting. We've had employers come to us and say, hey, we love giving away trips to Hawaii or season tickets to the ball game. Like, what can you infuse retention and performance into? So we really want to redefine compensation. I mean, there's lots of companies out there that, you know, will give you analysis around compensation or provide you with, you know, a payroll system or do all these types of things. But it's kind of fun to get in there and say compensation is broken. It should be very different than it is today. And we think that's a big opportunity. There's not a lot of people who have focused on that. Right. I think work is changing too. And if work changes, then compensation should change. I've noticed in our town halls for the last couple of months when we introduce people every month, we have town hall. This is for cabbage right now for me. We have town hall and employees come in. And I would say more than half of them, especially folks who are working like customer service and sales and collections, they have a fun fact they always tell. And more than half of them have a fun fact that they are a creator. They're an influencer. They have a side hustle. They have another gig. And I think is the future future of work continues to change, the compensation needs to reflect that. It's going to be harder to keep those employees when, you know, potentially they really would rather work on something else. Right. And guess what those employees need to get those hustles started? <laughs> Cash, right? You know, we've done a lot of research before we started the business and what we were able to discern is people like cash. Right. 
Yeah, probably even more than season tickets to a football. To a ball game. Exactly. Okay, well, Rob, Catherine, it's always a pleasure chatting with you. Best of luck on the new venture. Thank you. You know, inventing a whole new category in fintech is not something for the faint of heart. You really need executives with the experience and the gravitas of Rob and Catherine who, you know, could raise money, they can attract attention, they can attract trust. And that's what they're going to need to kind of get this off the ground. There's an education component, but I could easily see it becoming a major part of the landscape because nothing has really been done for compensation for employees with any kind of creativity, particularly those that are not highly compensated with you know, stock options and those sorts of things. This is really something that can, as Rob said, branch across all income levels. And I think we're going to see a lot more of this going forward. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. Thank you very much for listening and I'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.